Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. Just Tori. I think I hear some crickets. Uh, maybe not. No, no crickets. They're, they're out there somewhere. Just like the truth. This might be the first time we've tried to record an episode with only two people. Yeah, it's definitely the first time it's been the two of us. Yeah, definitely. Because of unfortunate circumstances, which is just Dom being sick, that's all. There's no dramatic story. Yeah, well, Dom has the flu, which is kind of dramatic. I feel no, like anytime anyone has the flu, it's dramatic. It's not. I, I think it is. It might feel dramatic when you are the one with the <laughs> flu, but to well, any outside perspective, it's extremely banal. Maybe that's my, my empathy acting up. Oh, yeah. Need to try to quash that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we the train must roll ahead. Like, you know, Dom's not here. We're just going to try to realize, you know, what our relationship is like without Dom as a buffer. Right. Hopefully not too antagonistic. What our relationship is like is we're just going to talk about Udna the whole time. Mm-hmm. Because we threw around some ideas about what we could do at last minute that did not involve actually talking about a story that we've both read. Because there's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And we've landed on something very, very special that I've just been itching for an excuse to talk about. But we'll get yeah. to that in a moment. First off, we're talking about Revolutionary Girl Utena. That's what we're going to be doing. Yep. Today. Tonight. And we've talked about that before. A long time ago. Sort of briefly. I don't, I don't feel like either of us really got a chance to fully explore our, our passion for the subject. I suppose. And it was a single-digit episode. It was like episode eight or something. So I don't really remember everything we talked about anyway. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uden is a series that we're both really into. Um, not so much actively these days, but that has a significant part of our life. Just last episode, you were talking about how you know, Haruka, Sailor Moon mm-hmm. was like an influence on you and your life. Mm-hmm. When did you run into Utena in comparison to Sailor Moon? Um, yeah. Much later, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Not not till college, because that was another one that Taran showed to me, and I assume that Taran got that from you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, it's kind of funny because, like, well, for our listeners who aren't aware of the the existence of Taran... <laughs> Who's been a guest like, a couple been a guest times. He's several times. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't listen to every episode. You know, Taran, Taran and I were, you know, really close in college. And that's actually how I met Amato and Dom and a lot of other people. And also through other guest, Galen, who's Taran's sibling. But a lot of things that Amato and Dom and Taran shared in, like, middle school or high school are things that Taran showed me when I was in college and Tarn and I were hanging out a lot. Mm-hmm. So. I just kind of crafted Tarn into an engine to perpetuate the things that I like. It, it sort of seems like it. <laughs> and of course, like my friendship with you and Dom followed very you know closely along with that. But yeah, Tarn exposed me to Utna and I, I, I mean, I'd had exposure to the, to Utna on the internet before, but I just never had a chance to watch it. And my main point of view was like, uh, yeah, lesbians really like it. And apparently it's about being a lesbian. But then some people on the internet were like, no, it's not. So it actually felt like there was a lot of tension about that, which is very bizarre to me because it's clearly about being a lesbian. It, it's not about being a lesbian. Are we going to have this controversy right now? <laughs> no, no. Um, 
I think it's definitely about about gender and it's about abuse. Yeah. And being a lesbian, I feel like is not something that's approached. I mean, it is, it's almost approached sometimes in a way that is like somewhat kind of like an issue you might have in the real world. But I feel like most of the time, not as much. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's talk about that a little because to me, what it is, is that Utena as a character is a tomboy and you know, is basically bucking normative gender roles at every turn. For sure. And from this perspective of Utna coming out, what years? Sometime in the early 90s? Yeah, like 96, I want to say. Okay. I feel like there's ways in which it's short-sighted, because it wants to talk about gender, and of course it does it in a really cis way with the the flowers, the roses representing vaginas, the swords representing penises, um, which whoa, is whoa, fine. Whoa, whoa, that's whoa. That's a real deep delve there into Utena symbology. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not Who sure anyone's... Knew? Yeah. I'm not sure that's been brought uh, up before. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where, like, we're coming from this kind of 90s Japanese perspective of culture where girls fulfill specific, very traditional roles and, and boys do the same. So I guess you can say, yeah, it's not specifically about being a lesbian in the sense of, like, a girl liking girls, but it's about being gay in the sense of not conforming to traditional marriageable roles. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And so did it have any influence on you, or were you pretty much well-shaped at that point? Huge. But, you know, the first time I watched it, I was probably 20 or 19. I was... I don't... I think I had so much that was unexplored for me that it sparked something. I thought it was this beautiful piece of media. I wanted to analyze the shit of it because, you know, I was an English major. But I don't think it fully, you know, the weight of um, the gender exploration it was doing at the time, I kind of looked at it as like, well, you know, I I don't understand why it's such a big deal. You know, that Utna not acting like a traditional woman should be such a big deal. And having the cultural context now in the context that it's more about gender and its constructed roles and also gayness has made me, I guess, fully understand it a lot more and and relate to it a lot better. Now, you've been talking about Utena as a series and Utena as a character here, Mm -hmm. but the work we're about to engage with here is very Mm jury-centered. Any thoughts on jury? Do Do you feel attached to jury? When you watched it? The the first time, I really didn't like her. Well, she's a jerk. Yeah, because she is a bad. jerk. I mean, but but come on. Like, we were talking about Haruka last episode. I Haruka's know. also a jerk. And you know, actually, this is really funny because I just started re-watching Sailor Moon starting from... Um, S? Yeah. It's, is S the one where they... The season, yeah. It's S where they first turn up, right? Yep. Yeah. Starting from there because, you know, it's a little redundant to watch the first two seasons again. First season's pretty good. You can kind of just skip the second one. It's like, yeah. You know, I was, I wanted to start there and I was like, oh yeah, Haruka's like way more of a jerk than I remember. Like all about this fighting, but her character changes and she changes into a much more lovable character. She mellows out for sure by stars. Yeah. But I looked back at it and I was like, I liked her at the time because she's like this strong, you know, a woman with, you know, short hair, people mistake for an attractive guy and all this stuff that, like, I was trying to be as a teenager. But, yeah, her character, like, as I look back and I was like, I like Michiru better. Like, she's kinder. She's still very strong and confident, but she's just, like, a lot more sweet and questioning of the mission, which people actually have to die Mm -hmm. for their mission. 
Um, well, we're drifting off of... Yeah. No, actually, we, we can the, tie that in pretty well, because yeah. Juri's kind of like a combination of Haruka and Michiru <laughs> crammed into one extremely cool person. Yeah, yeah, like, and, and where I was going with that, too, is, like, what was being led into is it's, like, uh, kind of the opposite thing. Like, I idealized Haruka as, you know, like a 12-year-old or, mm. or 13, 14, however old I was when I saw that. But Juri, I, I saw when I was, like, 20, and I was, like, totally rejecting of that hardness she has. But now I have a lot more empathy for it. It's, like, I get where it comes from. All right. But how do you feel as about Jury as a character? About Jury? I mean, Jury's not someone you'd want to hang out with. I like her. I've never been that into like her as a character or character exploration or, you know, fanfic about her or whatever. I think she benefits somewhat from the general like when you have a really cool character, the less they do, the cooler they are. And Juri's at that sweet spot where the fact that she gives Utna a sword and it takes, like, you know, five seconds at one point is, <laughs> makes her just super awesome. Yeah. She has really awesome moments. <laughs> and I think that's one of those things where it's like... You she just, does. You, you kind of want her to be nicer. And you can relate to just being totally messed up over an individual person and knowing intellectually that it's, like, totally dumb and harmful and not actually mm -hmm. being able to stop your feelings. Right, and that was like her humanizing quality was right. to have this whole reason that she was so hard. Something that's been interesting to me to look back on these pieces of media, the characters, you know, I was either critical of or like idealized and later became critical of is like remembering that these are representations of teenagers, which I think <laughs> is a... Kind of. Well, I think it really holds weight for Utena. And I also think it does for Sailor Moon. Because in Sailor Moon, they do a lot of teenage girl things, but, like, Harkwood Mature is supposed to be the mature ones, but they're only a year older. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think Sailor Moon's kind of trying to represent that, like, they're taking on so much in their role that they're neglecting being teenagers. And in Utena, the whole point is adolescence and coming of age. And they also seek to create a dichotomy between Utena and, like, the characters who are slightly older or the characters who are in the student council. It's like, those are the ones who have it all figured out. But I like looking at it as, like, no, they're also just, like, pretty hapless teenagers. Like, they're still navigating it's certainly, gender and sexuality. It's certainly much easier to be kind to characters like Toga and Sionji in your head when you're like, oh, they are trying to, like, be adults because mm -hmm. they're trying to, like, do adult behavior in an active way because they yeah. think being an adult is, like, what you're supposed to do and what gives you power. And it's a little bit more forgivable from that perspective, I guess. Yeah, and... and Forgivable. I don't know. I don't know if I would say forgivable, but <laughs> I guess maybe. Yeah, it's just it's all. It's just it's easier to understand because like teenagers are like that, like trying to do the grown up things. I think that's a big part of Utna is trying to do the grown up things, and Utna is the one who breaks the molds in terms of doing the grown up things. That was a line from the Utna fanfic we did back in the day. Remember? I mean, not not that exactly being the line, but mm -hmm. in X in other people. I mm -hmm. think movie Shiori is escorted into that room by the shadow, and the shadow says, oh, don't worry, like, everything you did is forgiven. You were children. Oh, right, And yeah. Shiori's like, forgiven by who? And the shadow says, by the author, of course. Though not necessarily the audience. <laughs> that was really good. That was a good story. Uh, you didn't like it at the time. You preferred Exit Pursued by a Bear. Other people was one you didn't like so much. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe I don't You'll remember it You'll have to re-listen well. that episode. Just <laughs> like all of our listeners yeah. will have to do that. Sometimes so, I have very strong opinions, and sometimes I don't. 
we should move on. Yeah. Just so it's not all Utana talk the whole time. But for my own Utana background, I was really involved in the fandom for a handful of years there. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about me. There's not enough talking about me on this episode so far. That's what I think. This is true. So there's the website that was the center of Utana fandom. It still is in terms of websites. It's just that people no longer use websites, I'm pretty sure. It's mm. all like Twitter, mm-hmm. Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Websites are passe. But it's still an excellent resource, otori.new. I think I sent in a dream at some point in high school because they had a subsection of like Utana related dreams people had. <laughs> and I don't know if I did anything else, but... When they set up the forums, one of the webmistresses emailed me and was like, hey, like, I guess you contributed to the site before. We'd like to have you. Or maybe it was from some other communication. Hmm. And I was like, I'm not very good at forums, but okay, sure. And then I basically continued to be not very good at forums. <laughs> but then when I was living in Japan, I was, you know, wanting to exercise my Japanese and had free time on my hands. And I started translating stuff for the Utena fan community. I was like, you know, one of that wave, by now there's so many people who are much better at Japanese than me, but at the time, like, I was the one in the Utena fandom who was willing to do that kind of stuff. So this must have been, like, how how big was the fandom in, in this particular community? I don't know how to judge. Not that yeah. big. Hmm. I mean, you know, tenacious. Yeah. I mean, people who lo- like Utena love Utena. I pretty it's much just, love Utena, yeah. yeah. And I think it's definitely definitely shaped my kind of awareness of gender issues and abuse issues and stuff too. I just think it's it's one of those things that's really deep, like it, it's dense, it's hard to parse. Like when you understand it, if if you really make the effort to get there and even understand the, the literal parts of it. You just watch that cow great. episode over and over and you're like, but what is it saying? <laughs> exactly, yeah. What is it saying about But the curry cows? represents what? And that's another part of it is there's there's silly parts and there's serious parts. So mm-hmm. you also kind of have to wade through a lot if you're looking for the big plot reveals. Whereas if you're just <laughs> looking for the silliness, you're going to be a little bit confused. I think it's a good synthesis of all of that. But I can see where a lot of people get confused by it. Hmm. So uh, I didn't write fan fiction. Like I said, I translated stuff. I did a Let's Play on the Utena forums of the Utena Sega Saturn game. Which, have you still not played that, Tori? Mm-mm. Oh. You're a terrible um, Utena fan and a terrible friend. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry. going to say a terrible person. You know, it's all true. I confess. Because uh, helping translate that game was probably the big thing I did. Like, right... Well, I... Yeah, yeah that's probably the biggest thing I did. Um Someone showed up who was willing, like on the Utena fan forums, who was willing to mess around with the Sega Saturn programming. And that was really the sticking point of like finding people who wanted to translate it was not that hard. And I translated half the text and someone else translated half the text. And then I like went through and did the editing. And it's not the best translation job, but I, you know, we were just trying to get it done mostly. I would do things, some things differently if I was translating it now. <laughs> is there a way to play that online or some such or to find the it? The problem is Sega Saturn emulation is so janky. Like, it's really yeah. hard to emulate for some reason. I mean, That's the thing. Is I've never actually owned a Sega system. Well, even so. if you owned a Sega Saturn, you would have to have it, like, hacked to play custom right. burned CDs. That's and, the you know, thing. Which you can do very easily with the Dreamcast. I, oh, the Dreamcast is so much easier. I don't know yeah. why the Saturn isn't. But... But this person who did the programming knew a lot more about the Saturn than I did. I think Endless was their handle online. Hmm. Um, 
And so, yeah, translating the Utna game. It's a it's a visual novel, you know. I snuck in a a gem in the holograms reference. That's my favorite part about the <laughs> translation process. Very tasteful. Yes, as all gem in the holograms references are. Right, innately. But also around that time that I was really active in the Utna fandom, another Utna fan game was produced. Dun dun dun! It's not ominous. Are you sure? It sounded a little ominous there. Well, that would be because of my ominous tones. <laughs> One of the Utna um, web, what do you call it? People, uh, moderators. One of the moderators on the forums named Satirize made a text adventure game called Miracles mm. Never Cease. Uh, 2010 it came out. I played it then. I remember really liking it. And it got some attention at the time, and then no one ever spoke of it again. And so I've always thought, like, oh, I'd, I'd like to draw some attention back towards this game because I thought it was a really cool effort, and no one writes fan fiction text adventure games except satirize this one time, you know, as far as I can tell. Um, but, you know, 2010, I've stretched our time frame a little bit, but I think I can say definitively 2010 is not retro. Wait. That's well, the Obama no, administration. Yeah, it's, it's, like, not, it's not retro. It's not retro. It's just not we're also doing a special episode, so... That's right. Yeah. So when Dom couldn't make it, that's what I, I, you know, keyed in on, where something that the two of us would be excited to talk about, and I can maybe do something, break my own rules, live on the edge, do something from merely uh, nine years ago. Also, like, to be fair, the fact that this is kind of a one-of-a-kind fan fiction, quote-unquote... I think it's Fan interactive fiction would be the term. Yes. <laughs> Fan interactive fiction uh, so, makes it, you know, worth, worth the, the extension, I guess. So the plan is we're going to play this, or rather you're going to play this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to narrate it because it's a text adventure game. I can read the text, you know, on air, on podcast air. I will be the voice of the parser, I suppose. And also because your voice is awesome and you're an incredible actor. Thank you. That's why I get and, the big bucks for yeah, this. Yeah, and I just play games, so that's mm -hmm. my skill. Uh, now, looking at the post that Satirize did here, um, let's see, gives the basic intro. They say pretty much straight off that it's, uh, you know, pretty lighthearted, not taking Utna too seriously, which is probably mm -hmm. the best way to approach it if you're not, you know, willing to make your fan fiction one some kind of like tome manifesto like some people are yeah and that was the perfect way to put it <laughs> uh i'm marveling at the conciseness of that because I've, I've been struggling with parsing you know like how do you treat Utna? you either treat it like i like this superficially or you're like I'm going to dive head in, and this is going to be my thesis, except I'm going to take 20 years to write my mm -hmm. thesis about it. Oh, FYI, I, I met the author of this because I went to RoseCon 2012. The webmistresses of Otori.new put together, put together a few um, fan conventions a couple times. That's and cool. that one was in Seattle, and it happened to be like just after I'd gotten back from Japan. And Seattle's not that far away. From Japan? From Portland. <laughs> so yeah. I actually made it to that one. And met them, met this author, met a bunch of other cool fans. And we've been recording for a while and haven't yet gotten to the content, so we should probably start the game. Are you ready, Tori? Yeah, okay. All right, then here we go. 
Dawn breaks and you face your first Saturday at Otori Academy. It took a long time to figure out where she went to school and even longer to arrange a transfer, but at last the time has come. Today will be the day you find the beautiful stranger you met once at a modeling interview and make her feel the same way about you that you do about her, which I guess is unhealthy obsession. Yeah, I was going to say, so I'm a model and a stalker, apparently. They're not exclusive. Well, Uh, apparently, yeah. Today will be the day you seduce a Risugawa jury. Miracles Never Cease, an interactive fiction by Satirize, release one, and then some serial number information that I don't understand. Uh, Now, it begins before this first room description saying, first time playing, type about. So I should probably ask, have you played a text adventure game before? The answer is yes. I I had to pause for a second because it's like, to me, not having played a text adventure game would be really bizarre. Right. But um, that's part of, I guess, my generation of of games. So We had weak enough computers that at some point you Mm -hmm. loaded up the text adventure games. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was either DOS games or text adventures when, when I was young. Your room. First time playing? Type about. Do you want to type about or are we good? Uh, do I really need to know about my room? That That's my question. No, this is about the game. Oh, about the game. Yeah, you type about. Let's okay. see what's up. Welcome to Fulfilling Jury. Presumably the author changed the title at some point and forgot to replace that one. Fulfilling Jury is also a pretty classy title. Uh, I've got to cl- say. Classy is not the word I would use. Well, <laughs> it's a good joke because, you know, Unfulfilled yeah. Jury is yeah. the name of your episode. Yeah, yep. yeah. This interactive fanfic tells your story as you attempt to score a date with the melancholy Arusagawa jury. A few warnings, the game contains lime content, I don't remember that, sexy but not sexually explicit, and has a definite Mary Sue sensibility. Okay, wait, 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 what's lime? Lime? It means sexual content but not sexually explicit content. Oh, that's in parentheses. Are you not familiar with that terminology? That's old school Uh, anime fanfiction stuff. No, I remember lemon and lime, but I was too young to know what those actually meant other than I shouldn't be, like, looking at it. Mm. But you did, right? (laughs) Oh, I totally did. I just, I still, but what's the difference between lemon and lime? Lemon is explicit, lime is not. Okay. I got it now. Lime would be like, you're describing some kinds of moans or, you know, I don't know. Gotcha, gotcha. You got a a sentence to Mm -hmm. write it off. I don't know. There we go. Anyway, says the game, if you have a favorite character, you should be prepared for them to be mocked. No one comes out of this story smelling like roses. Well, they're Otori students, so of course they smell like roses, but you know what I mean. On a more hopeful note, this game is designed to not be losable. Nothing you can do will result in losing the game, and you can't do anything that will prevent you from winning the game later. Winning Hmm. is just a matter of ingenuity and perseverance. Wait, so you literally can't lose this game? Yeah. So no matter what you do, you will win Jury's Heart? No. Whatever you do, you will not put the game into a state in which you cannot proceed. Oh, and that's not a given with text adventure games. No, that's a good point. It's just to me, that's not what losing means or winning and losing means, right? Like winning means you you achieve the objective. Right. So losing means that you don't. And in some text adventure games, you can put the game into a state where you do not win, period. You can put it into a state where it becomes redundant and you're like stuck at a wall. Well, you can also get thrown out of an airlock and die or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I see, I the see. Galaxy. No matter what you do, you'll be able to progress forward. Right. Right. It just depends on how long it takes. I get I get what you're saying. All right. Uh, the About also says you can type how to play. If you don't know how to play a text adventure game, we can skip that. And mm-hmm. there's a hint function as well. Back to your room. 
You just finished moving in yesterday, and the cramped accommodations provided by the academy don't really feel like home yet. In the corner by the window is your bunk bed, because there wouldn't be room in here for two futons, which you're supposed to share with some roommate you haven't met yet. The remainder of the room is occupied by a single desk, a low table, and a closet barely big enough for two people's clothes. The room's only door leads west to the corridor. Okay. Um, should we... What's in the room again? Let's see. Single desk, low table, and closet barely big enough for two people's clothes. I, I definitely think we're being led to, to open the door. Open door. That's not something you can open. The parser does not recognize that command. Okay. I don't think you actually need to open doors. I think you can just oh, okay. go west. Yeah, let's go west. You're just go leaving west, the room? Go west, young jury. Nothing interesting in this room? young jury seeker. You're not even going to well, take all? Uh, oh, good point, good point. I mean, I figure... Yeah, okay. Let's... let's. Uh... Maybe I should do this without the commentary. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, the commentary is good. Um, yeah, let's check out the room... Um, examine desk. You can look desk. Yeah, whatever. Because I don't have to type examine in that case. Examine desk. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a generic wooden desk with a small built-in bookshelf and a couple drawers. There's a computer on top that you assume you're meant to share with your absentee roommate. Um, loot drawers. Loot drawer. That's not a verb I recognize. <sighs> I open drawer. You open the drawers, revealing a lascivious. How do Lichiv- you pronounce it? Lascivious. Lascivious. Is that how you say it? I've never needed to. Yeah. Lascivious leaflet. Leaflet? leaflet. Like like a pamphlet? Yeah. How is it lascivious? No. Okay, well, um, uh, we can use examiner. Yeah, examine leaflet. Look leaflet. Oh, right. <laughs> I don't like that. I like exam. You know, I never use look for things. This is just my style. But I'm sorry. I'm not typing examine fine. every time. Look leaflet. Um, Vice Admiral Naji's guaranteed pickup lines. <laughs> you picked this up for 30 yen at a garage sale. With this, you can seduce just about anyone, or at least that's the theory. Okay, take leaflet. Taken. I I don't know if it's actually going to help me, because that sounds awful, but, you know. Seduce might be a strong word for what the leaflet lets you do. (laughs) But it's all in caps, so it must mean something. Okay, um, what else is in our room? Look. Bunk, bunk bed in the corner, desk with the PC, low table in the middle, small uh, okay. closet. Look PC. The computer has probably been here as long as the building, which you understand is the newer of Otori's two dorms. The computer is currently switched off. Switch on. What do you want to switch on? The computer. Oh my gosh. Uh-uh, if you turn it on, you're going to spend the next six hours stalking Jury on MySpace, which strikes you as a silly thing to do, when you could be spending that time stalking her in real life. MySpace. Okay, stalk Jury in real life. Stalk Jury. That's not a verb I recognize. <laughs> you just used it. Um, okay, so we have our bed. We could look at the bed, but I don't know. Yeah. The beds are hardly large enough to roll over in, and the sheets have some pretty bad static cling. At least the pillows are nice and hard, though. Excellent. Sounds like a great bed. All right, um... Look, what was it? Uh, is there a dresser? There is a closet. Look, closet. It's not much, really. Just big enough to hold two people's clothes if neither of you is a fashion whore. There's also a mirror on the front. Fashion whore. There you go. <laughs> Beautiful. Ooh, look in the mirror. You have apricot hair and gorgeous periwinkle blue eyes. Your oh, zodiac sign is Scorpio, like and your blood type is A, which makes you compatible with Jury, according to her Facebook page. And I can see that in the mirror, too. <laughs> You like cute things, romantic movies, and evil schemes. You are wearing some cute pajamas. You are carrying a li- 
lavish lascivious lascivious leaflet okay apricot hair and gorgeous periwinkle blue eyes wow i'm so beautiful um i think we looked at everything in the room right so i think we should uh head down the corridor west yes south dorm corridor the south dorm is a newish building compared to the oratory campus up the hill and its corridors are correspondingly modern functional metallic and impersonal you don't know any of your hallmates yet, so the rows of doors on each side of the hallway are of little interest to you. Your room, with a partial view of campus, is to the east. The common room, used for socializing, eating, and sometimes group studying, is to the south. The dorm stairwell and exit lie north. Hmm. But we don't know where Jerry is. Nope. I guess we can check out the common room. Common room. The first floor common room seems to be constructed entirely of upholstery. There are lots of sofas and chairs, of course, and the shag carpeting adds to the illusion. There are a number of students hanging out in this room's bright natural light. Presumably they don't have class today or else are skipping, not an uncommon practice on Saturdays at Otori, from what you understand. The corridor lies back to your north. This is under the impression that there is school in Japan on Saturdays, which mm. used to be the case until it was kind of struck down as part of a response to, like, the suicide epidemic and stuff. Uh, that was a while ago. 96? I, you know, I don't know exactly. A lot of uh, shows that I'm familiar with say that school is on Saturdays, like even relatively newer ones. Well, you know, private schools can also do what they want, and mm. Otori is nothing if not private. That makes sense. Anyway, among the students relaxing in the common room is a wine-haired girl you met briefly while you were moving in. Her name is Taratsuki Shiori, and she's in the same year as you. She's drawing in what looks like a large art journal. Ooh, let's talk to Shiori. You can't just walk up to someone and talk to her. You should ask her about something instead. Maybe about herself or the school or something else on your mind. Good point. Um, so the command is ask Shiori about... Ask Shiori about um, her drawing. You admire some of the pictures in Shiori's art journal, almost all of which turn out to be of birds. I draw birds a lot, says Shiori, almost apologetically. They're so beautiful. Sometimes I wish I could be a bird and escape from this place. You know, the academy, life. But I can't, so I just draw them. Mm. I will not be as good as Lisa Ortiz in voicing jury. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, voicing Shiori. That is a-okay, because I don't know if anyone is. Um, compliment drawings. That's not a verb I recognize. All right. Um, ooh, what can I say to Shiori? Ask Shiori about... Ask Shiori about birds. Uh, same result as okay. the pictures. Ask Shiori about jury. <laughs> we'll see what it gets us. Shiori goes red, apparently embarrassed, but she says tentatively, as if to a new friend, Jury, she makes me so frustrated sometimes. Like her locket, you know? She never takes it off. Never. Well, I guess I probably, I guess probably to sleep and bathe, but I've never seen her without it. I know exactly whose picture's inside, too. It's this boy we both knew in middle school. It's hard to be close to someone like that. Ask Shiori about the boy. He's not even important anymore, long since out of both our lives, but she just can't let him go. That's just the kind of person she is. Jury's obsessing over a boy? You know she's the obsessive type, but that doesn't sound right somehow. Hmm. Ask Shiori. Hmm. Where is Jury? Hmm. No. I'm not sure that'll work. I don't think it'll work, but... Nope. It has to be asked about. I know, it has to be asked about. I just can't think of anything else to ask her about that would... You could ask her about herself. 
Yeah, okay. Ask Shiori about Shiori. <laughs> I think that's exactly how the parser wants you to do it, yes. Yeah. Me, says Shiori a little shyly. I'd been meaning to introduce myself since I saw you move in, but somehow, well, you know. Um, I'm Takatsuki Shiori, and I'm in 10th grade. I'm not sure what else to say about myself. Um, I like drawing a lot. Want to see my journal? Yes. We did. We saw well, that already. We saw it. Um, but that's sweet. Um, Shiori seems a lot sweeter in this. Um, Shiori's, Shiori's sweet enough to yeah. new peoples. Yeah. To, new, to people, yeah, she doesn't know very well. And when she's not in a movie. Yeah. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Would you like to seduce her? Uh, I guess we could try out some of those pickup lines. Sure. Let's see how they work. Seduce, uh, like I said, when I say seduce, that's not how this works out. Hey, baby, does the carpet match the drapes, you ask, arching an oh, eyebrow? Oh, She already flinches dramatically. Ugh, I'm not like that. Get away from me. So much for that plan. Okay, I love that her reaction was, I'm not gay, rather than that's like a really disgusting way to talk to a person. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, uh, seduce will result in a terrible pickup line every time. I know, but... Characters will react appropriately. No, but she should react appropriately to that pickup line because it's gross. It's not at all appropriate or okay. But she reacts by saying, I'm not like that. Like, mm. I'm not gay, basically, which is... She should react she already by being feels like, the need to that's inappropriate. make that very clear, yes. Yeah, I know. She already is like that. She already is like that. <laughs> okay. So much for that plan. I guess we should walk away from Shiori. Back in the South Dorm Corridor? Mm-hmm. Um, north is out. East is our room. Yeah, I know. So I guess we should go to the north. Stairwell. The square industrial-style staircase that leads to the upper floors makes for a stark contrast with the delicacy of Otori architecture. Fortunately, you have a first-floor room and never need to use the stairs. To the north, a door opens onto the sidewalk that curls up the hill and eventually onto campus. From here, you can head south into the dorm or hike to another location, such as Otori Academy. Ooh, let's hike to Otori Academy. Let's see what's going on. After an uphill climb and a stroll across the crowded bridge, you stand under the rose filigree... How do you say that? Filigreed. Filigreed arch that marks the entrance of Otori Academy. The whole campus, as your guide cheerfully pointed out at orientation, is shaped like a keyhole, or a burial mound, with the forest <laughs> on top, and your mind automatically makes that way north, no matter how much you can try to convince it that that way is west. <laughs> oh my god. That means that as far as you're concerned, this arch is at the southern tip of Otori Academy, because you always see it from that perspective, yeah. right? That's the beautiful. campus proper stretches out before you, with the tower and adjacent school buildings dominating the view. Apropos of nothing, I had an entire class studying abroad in Japan about kofun, which are, you know, the ancient key-shaped, like, burial mounds and stuff. Mm. Well, I mean, it wasn't all about kofun, but it mostly was. That sounds really interesting. It's pretty interesting. It's There's fun things like, you know, at some point, the Japanese imperial family just kind of designating some randomly as being, like, the tombs of fictitious emperors that didn't actually exist. And huh. so... Um, like randomly, like these exist, but they're they're supposed to be emperors now. <laughs> like, uh, so th there is like a emperor who probably founded the dynasty, mm -hmm. and then there's some other emperors that definitely existed after that person. Uh, and in between those, you have a bunch of fictitious emperors that were created to make it seem like the you know dynasty was around for longer. Right. And because they existed they felt the need to declare where they were buried. So they just picked a random... Yeah, basically. Graves, graves to, and oh, and you can't touch them because you can't dig up the imperial, you know, <sighs> graves. Catch-22. Without extreme permission. Yeah, no way to check, of course. Yeah. Beautiful. Fun times. 
So wait, who's buried under Otori Academy? Good question. I mean, maybe it's not actually a Kofun. It's, it's way too big to be a Kofun. What am I talking about? It's just key-shaped, keyhole-shaped, whatever. It could be an Evangelion. Giant Rei Ayanami. Okay, anyway. Um, From here, you can venture onto campus or you can hike off campus. Let's venture. Go campus. Uh, venture to campus. Really? It wants us to take... Oh, back. north. It just wants us to go north. Oh. Impressive entryway. You're walking on the wide path that links to the arch to the south with the tower that links the arch to the south with the tower to the north. The entryway is choked with students at the beginning and end of every school day. You're fashionably late since you're not planning on attending classes anyway, so only a few students are around. Oh, let's see. Let's can we just talk to the students or do we need to No. Uh, okay. Um if we go north, do we continue on to campus? Suddenly, out of nowhere, emerges a terrifying visage. Her triangular jaw tapers down to a point you could cut glass with. Her eyebrows are perpetually locked in a shape like a cartoon seagull, <laughs> and atop her nose sits a hideous pair of pointed sunglasses that make her eyes look warped and insectoid. You know this woman. She is the school counselor and French teacher. You know for a fact that her name is Umino-sensei, but she insists that her students call her by no name other than Madame La Mer, which I believe is a name taken from Alan Harnum's Jacquemart. Jacquemart. Mm. I, I don't know how to say it in French. Um, which is an excellent piece of fan fiction that is very long and unfinished. Okay, interesting. Anyway, it's that person. Yes, uh, run away. <laughs> you, she says in a severe voice. You are a student at Otori Academy, correct? Yes, Madame Le Maire, you reply, unsure where she is going with this. Then why, shrieks Madame Le Maire, aren't you wearing a school uniform? Out of nowhere, she produces a bullwhip and cracks it hard for emphasis. Run away. You look no. down and realize to your embarrassment that you have somehow gotten all the way off, all the way to campus still dressed in your pajamas. That would explain some of the odd stares you got on the way here. Oh, come on. They didn't say what I was dressed in when I was they in did. the... They did. Oh. When you looked in the mirror, they said explicitly oh. that you're wearing cute pajamas. Oops. Yep. Madame Lemaire advances on you threateningly, bullet whip at the ready. You're forced to retreat. It looks like you're not going to get any farther until you change into your uniform. All right, let's go home. Hike to dorm, southeast. Change clothes? Yeah. Mm. Uh, put on uniform. Put on uniform. Yeah, change clothes did not, was not accepted by the parser. Put on uniform. Oh. Look in closet. You can't see inside since so the closet open is, closet. is closed. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped the gun. You open the closet, revealing a school uniform and a kimono. Put on kimono. No, put on uniform. <laughs> First, taking the school uniform. You change out of the cute pajamas. You put on the school uniform. Go back to campus now. Um, whatever West, direction north, there are. hike to campus. Okay. Thank you, Amato. North. You've got this covered for me because I wouldn't remember all these directions so succinctly. I'm creating a map in my mind, and I also know where everything is on Otori campus. Yeah, but it just... Yeah, I, don't, I, I can't do it like you do. I don't know. <laughs> and now we can go north again. Okay. Enormous tower. Here it is, the great soaring tower that emblemizes Otori Academy and serves as home for its chairman. The base where you stand is shining, a shining round mass of windows and ridges, from the top of which projects a fluted and rose-crested marble tower that must be 80 meters tall. Law students navigate by looking for its rounded pinnacle. To the west and east are the classroom and administrative buildings, respectively. 
North of here is the arched corridor that leads to the half of campus used for recreation, and to the south is the arch that serves as Otori's entrance and exit. Okay. Which means classroom, administrative buildings, or recreation, you know, cafeteria and club areas and stuff like that. Hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's go north. Arched corridor. This busy vaulted corridor serves as the literal and psychological nexus between the north and south ends of campus. The south end, dominated by the tower, is where learning happens. The north end, dominated by the forest, is where life happens. Or at least that's how it's supposed to work out. To the sides, you are flanked by tall, square classroom buildings, east for the grade schoolers, west for the middle schoolers, and just visible in the courtyard of the middle school building is a glass dome that you know to be the school's prized rose garden. So, really, we can go to the grade schoolers, the middle schoolers, or... Further north to the dorm buildings, yeah, uh, not dorm buildings, the club buildings. The club buildings. And we've got, so... we've got the birdcage also here. Oh, yeah, maybe I just could check out the birds. I mean, yeah. I was speaking, you know... Yeah. Not literally there. I know. Okay. Check out the birds. Yeah. Go garden. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Dome? <laughs> That's not something you can enter? Okay. Uh, oh, I guess we have to go west into the middle school area for that. I think you're... Oh. I see. It's not here. Uh, yeah, we okay. can see it over there. Oh, we can see the glass dome. Right. Got it. Um... Uh, yeah, yeah, let's still, let's go that direction. Middle school building. You've never been properly inside the middle school building, enrolled as you are in high school, but you're familiar with the courtyard you're now standing in. You're surrounded on all sides by the ivory arches of the middle school building, and you can see some distracted faces peering from the windows overlooking the courtyard. Easily the most distinguishing feature, however, is the greenhouse in the center, the site of the school rose garden. You could go in and check out the roses, head east to the arched corridor, or proceed west to the stately, if sinister, Nemero Memorial Hall. Remember, there's no bad choices because you can't put yourself into a, a lose state. That's actually a really good point. Um, yeah, let's let's go check out the birds. All right. I mean roses. <laughs> the boys. The boards. Inside the greenhouse, you find a luscious, logic and gravity-defying garden packed with roses of all colors, natural and otherwise. A central stone column is festooned with vines of pink and yellow roses, its base hidden in matching brush. Above, the column's capital resembles a vase out of which spill white and orange roses in full bloom. Even the door is surrounded by a green rose wreath. Much of the lower wall is lost amidst the... amidst variegated? Variegated. Variegated. Thank you, English major. You're welcome. Rose bushes. And a pair of keen-looking garden shears leans, leans on an unoccupied space. Amidst the embarrassment of roses stands Himemia Anthe, watering can in hand, quietly singing a pretty song about dancing rabbits. This is actually, like, speaking of the the many, there's been, like, three times you've asked me for word pronunciation. Mm-hmm. So ironic that I mispronounced pronunciation, but um, this is written very um, verbosely. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, though. Um, okay, so we should talk to Anthe. If I say talk to Anthe, you know what's going to happen. It's going to tell you oh, to ask right. her about something. Ugh, Anth's Anthea about roses. Working in the rose garden makes me feel like someday I might be as kind as the rest of the students here, says Anthe. These bushes would all wither away without my help. It makes me very sad when I lose even one flower. You almost commiserate with her, but that smile is off-putting. You'd be more sympathetic if you were quite sure she meant any of what she just said. <laughs> um, ask Anthe about jury. The time I've spent with Arisakawa has always been very pleasant, says Anthe cheerfully. 
Smiling, she rests her cheek on her left hand. I hope she treats you warmly. Yeah, I hope so too, you think. Ask Anthea about herself. This is, of course, all dripping with sarcasm because yeah. she's been slapped for sure. Yep. About Anthea. Pleased to meet you. I'm Himemia Anthea in the eighth grade. I tend roses for my brother. Please treat me kindly. Anthea's voice drips sweetness, and she delivers most of the speech with her eyes closed and a bright smile on her face. Something is wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on it. <laughs> Many things are wrong. Take her away from the dark place. No, um, well, we can seduce her. Oh my god. I, well, I just hated how gross the last pickup line was, but I do want to see what happens. Morbid fascination. <laughs> yeah. Seduce Anthe. You must be Jamaican, you snark seductively, because Jamaican me crazy. Actually, I'm Indian, smiles Anthe. Mon, you add under your breath. Oh my god. This is... That's, that's, Everyone will be incredibly painful if you do it. I'm just going to try to tempt you into doing it. I know. It's like the, the devil <laughs> pulling on me to say horrible pickup lines that are not okay. Only the worst pickup lines here. Oh, God. All right. Um, so, I, yeah, I think we've, we've done enough here. We've done enough damage. Um, Remember the first rule of text adventure games? Oh, we forgot to look. No, no. Look right. just tells you what... You know, you saw when you came in. Oh, okay. The first rule of text adventure games is... Oh, we need to loot it. Right. <laughs> Let's loot the greenhouse, Amato. Loot greenhouse. It doesn't know the verb loot. Oh, um, like, look... Well, we already looked at it. What do we do? Take something. Take... You can take something or you can take all, which is a convenient... Oh, take all, yes. Convenient action. Yes, take all. Oh, we can't take all in this game. I'm sorry. Oh. So you have to take something specific. Well, what did we see? Hmm. See, you know, I haven't played a lot of text adventure games, but it has been a hot minute, so mm -hmm. I like that you're reminding me. Um, can we take roses? Take roses. <laughs> Out of curiosity. That's hardly portable, it says. <laughs> Wait, take a one. rose. Which do you mean? The rose vines, the rose wreath, the rose bushes, or the orange rose? The orange rose. Take orange rose. You reach for an especially gorgeous orange rose. Without turning around, Anthe says, Don't bother, Arisagawa-senpai doesn't like roses. Hmm. Okay, Anthe. Take wreath? Yeah. Not portable. Uh, there, there's, there's some yeah. shears. I'm just going to give it to you. There's some shears right there. Ugh. Well, oh, Anthe's probably using those. Yeah. It's been yeah. a while since I played this game. Yeah. It's, Maybe there's nothing it's, to take. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know anything I would want in here. Let's take Anthe. No, oh, that, that's the same result as seduce Anthe. <laughs> that is a thing. That's okay. hilarious. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe there's nothing to take. Maybe I'm leading you wrong. Take stone column. Take column. It's just going to say that's hardly portable. Yeah, yeah. All right. We can go somewhere else now. Yeah, I guess that was the only thing we could have taken. So, yeah, let's go. Um, what were other options? So we, we were at the middle school area. There's Could the we... elementary school, high school, administrative buildings. There's Nimero Memorial Hall. And there's the, like, kind of club area to the north. Let's check out the club area. East. Wait. Oh, no. we West. Oh, oh no, we I... need to leave the greenhouse. Wait. Oh, I see. Go out. All right. East. North. There we go. Main quad. The grass-covered main quad of Otori Academy sprawls before you. On a beautiful Saturday like today, the quad is the center of campus social life. You see a number of classmates, couples, and cliques amid the general friendly buzz of the quad slopes. Just to the north is the equally crowded athletic field, 
with the forest looming behind it, while the arched corridor between the elementary and middle school buildings leads south toward the tower. To the west is the activity building where sporty clubs like kendo and fencing are likely to meet. Oh yeah, we should definitely go west. To the east is the cafeteria, but it doesn't say that. I wonder if it lets you go there. Huh. Anyway, west. Yeah, we're, we're just going to go to the sporty place. Activity building grounds. Overlooking the main quad on this spot is the activity building, where some of the sportier clubs conduct events. The entrance opens to a west in a majestic arch. The main quad is back the other way to the east. Just south of you and practically adjoining the activity building is stately Nemero Memorial Hall, of which you've heard ill-defined rumors. Okay, can we... Um, da, 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 da. Well, I mean, we. what do we see here? Um, the entrance to the activity building. Yeah, we can enter the activity building, right? Activity building. This confusing building has been repurposed repeatedly over the years and contains a variety of conflicting architectural styles, all of them gorgeous. For example, a traditional sliding door to the south leads to the kendo room, dark, resonant, and sacred, while a tall double door to the north opens onto the airy fencing room, three stories high and lit by three enormous windows. Let's go to the fencing area. You're honed in. The fencing room is crowded with a couple dozen students of both sexes. Foils clash and heels scrape against... Both sexes. Yeah, you know, all of the sexes. (laughs) All of the two. All of the two. Foil... (laughs) Look, you have to choose. It's Utena. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, Yeah, of course. How could I have forgotten? (laughs) It's a dichotomy that's completely unbreakable. Yes. Uh, The official Utena game, by the way, is kind of addressing the virgin or whore thing. Except mm. it being Utena, it's like you can be a princess or you can be a witch. Ooh. Because, you know, those are the yeah. terms in which you would talk about things in an Utena context. Fair enough. Though, I mean, you know, that was all about the virgin horror dichotomy. But, yeah, let's go for the witch. <laughs> Always. I didn't say you got to choose in this game. Sorry. Oh, darn. If we could be a witch, we'd be all over that. No, I know. But it's it's an interesting thought process, right? Like... Where do you land on that particular issue when you have uh, the reinforced gender roles and you're given them in like a secondary source? And so the villainess gets to have, you know, a a dialogue if you choose that path, right, with Mm -hmm. Utena, where she's, you know, granting on about this stuff. And Utena's like, no, I'm not like either of those things. And she's like, ah, you just, you know, you're just like, you you just haven't chosen yet. You've got to pick. You're just immature and, you know, whatever. That's really good. I love that. <laughs> and I mean, that's the whole thing about Uno that makes it so good, is it's, like, not role-limiting. It's breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. Breaking the rules. Of course, Uno's the only one who's really doing that. But, I mean, Jury is doing it to some extent. It's, some people are, but Jury gets trapped. So that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Jury. Yes. Uh, in the kendo room, her? the fencing room. You bob, not the kendo room, the fencing room. You bob, weave, and occasionally throw an elbow so as not to be bowled over. The room is vertically enormous, three stories tall, a balcony halfway up the back wall above the equipment locker, and three windows that together occupy the whole of the wall across from you. The whole has an exciting but artificially streamlined feel that matches the sport taking place inside it. Punctuating the sounds of steel and rubber like clockwork every few seconds is this crisp word, next. It issues from the mouth of, oh god, it's her. Arisagawa Jury stands against all comers, looking terrifying and beautiful. Uh, I feel like I'd have more investment in this game if I was, like, in love with Jury in some fashion, but... 
I'll try to get in the mindset of this character. I wouldn't just approach her. That would be too bold. Can we, I don't know, watch? Watch, jury. She is the reason you came to Otori, the most beautiful woman you've ever laid eyes on, but more than that, a monomaniac in a cause you haven't been able to fathom. Your heart beats fast and you feel your mouth dry up. Get water. Get water? You can't see any water. Ah, uh, because my mouth is dry. Come on. Spit. All right. Uh, uh, let's see if we can... Uh, we don't see any specific people we can speak to other than Jerry, huh? Ask student? Yeah. No, no student. No. I Look guess... fencers? No. No. I, I guess our only option might be to talk to Jury. I we, think Jury is the thing we can interact with in this area, but we might need yeah. to come back once we have something else to do with her. I mean, I almost feel like it doesn't fit the narrative to speak to her like so boldly at this point. But Seduce I guess, Jury. Oh, no, no. We're not ready for that. <laughs> no one's ready for that. Um, we could ask Jury about fencing. Mm-hmm. Next calls Jury. She's either completely wrapped up in her fencing or pointedly ignoring you. Can I fence? Fence. Nope. Yeah. Take sword? No. Take... Take... What's the sword that they use in fencing? Like rapier or... No, what are they... Foil. Foil. Nope. No foils here, Mm. according to the parser. Yeah, that's okay. I guess we'll just leave. All right, we're out. Where to now? Uh, you don't have to give me directions, just anywhere that you know we can go. Yeah, just thinking. I, 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 we could, I guess we'll check out the kendo room. Why not? We're here. Kendo dojo. The kendo room is musky, musky with the sense of sweat and incense. There are only a handful of athletes here, all boys, striking each other or par- practice targets with long bamboo swords, but they make enough noise for 30 people with their terrifying shouts. All are barefoot on the tatami floor and clad in thick armor from the waist up. You wonder if they have enough light to see in this dark, claustrophobic room whose wood paneling is interrupted only by a single row of Spartan windows. Leaning against the back wall with his armor partially off is a tall, green-haired boy you recognize as Sayonji Kyoichi, the captain of the kendo club. Hmm. And hero of campus. (laughs) Um, Ask Sayonji about kendo. I wouldn't expect someone like you to understand the beauty of the art that is kendo, says Sayonji loftily, but I shall try to explain anyway. It starts with the bamboo used for the swords. The durable, springy material is suitable for use by Olympic pole vaulters, but finds its highest expression in the shinai, whose bamboo slats are bound in circlets of resilient leather. Such a vessel is ideal to receive the fighting spirit of a martial artist. He peers at you. Are you listening? No. That was a rhetorical question. (laughs) Was that supposed to be Sayonji saying that? No, that's the parser saying that. Oh, okay. Um, ask Sayonji about Jerry. Uh, jury? Yeah. A weak soul scoffs Sayonji. Then, momentarily panicked, he shoots a glance over your shoulder. Seeing no one listening to him from across the hall, he regains <laughs> his composure and continues. Whenever she gets upset, she drops whatever she's doing and runs home to take a shower. I'm serious. She puts up a front of bravery, but she has no spine at all. He double-checks to make sure no one is listening. (laughs) Dree showers when she's upset, huh? You didn't know that. You savor that image for a moment. Um, all right. I'm savoring that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sindhu Sayonji. 
I, I saw no hesitation here. <laughs> you don't care about Saoji's tender feelings, huh? Not at all. Excuse me, Saoji-sama, you simper. Do you have any raisins? His eyes narrow. Why would I have any raisins? He asks suspiciously. No? How about a date? You conclude in your perkiest <laughs> voice. I don't have any fruit of any kind, answers Saoji, who still seems to be waiting for the punchline. Don't worry, it'll hit him sometime this evening. Excellent. <laughs> that one was good. That one was not offensive. <laughs> I approve. And hilarious. All right. Um, yeah, I'm done with Sayonji. All right. Um, so the other things we can do, like, we saw jury. Our objective is jury. But I think... We I just would... got a clue from Sayonji about what we might eventually need to do to jury. Right. Which is upset her. Which seems awful. Oh, we... If I can spoil the general outlines of this game... We are going to win this game by only the most awful means. Mm. I guess that's very Utena. Uh, it's very... right. We're a very Utena character. <laughs> We're a very Utena character who is not Utena, yes. Yes, yeah. Um, or Anthe. Um, like well, I said, who's not Utena. Yeah, it's Anthe. It's also, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Okay. Well, I don't see a reason to check out the elementary school. I mean, it almost seems like we need to wait for classes to start. I mean, no, we... I don't think time passes until... Oh, okay. So... It's not that kind of game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's confusing, is it's like... It's not uh... that confusing. You check out everywhere and see what is there. See what's there, you yeah. Know? Okay, well, sure. We, we're in the middle school building... Oh, well, we went to activity building. Sorry, yeah. we were we came from the middle school. We didn't see the middle school classrooms, True. Uh, but we're in high school, so I guess we should check out the high school classrooms. All right, I'm going to walk us back there, east, east, south, south, and here's the tower from which we go west to the classrooms, classroom building grounds. To your immediate north is a building whose impossible arches make you wish you'd paid more attention attention in geometry. It's four stories are used for certain club activities and as extra classrooms. Oh, uh, where's the high school anyway? Students trickle in and out with distracted looks, most proceeding east in the direction of the tower. There are some classrooms here. We'll go in there. Yeah. Classroom building. The usual bright state leotory architecture distinguishes these corridors from those of your average high school. This building is used for most of the extracurricular activities that don't involve balls or weaponry. The music room faces the forest to the north, the kitchens used by the culinary arts class extend to the east, and Otori's library occupies much of the west wing. The building's exit is to the south. So no classrooms in this building, I guess, but... Okay. Even though it says classroom building? Mm. I guess the idea is we are not interested in the classrooms. Ah, uh, yes. We, the player, and the character. Yeah, well, let's, let's go to the music room. Who might we find there? I wonder. You're not sure whether Otori has an orchestra, but it certainly does have a music room. The freakishly tall room is illuminated solely by three long vertical windows placed at an offset in the northern wall. In front of the wall stands a grand piano, which has a handsome teak piano bench at its foot. The room is among the quietest places on campus, perhaps for the sake of irony, perhaps because it's waiting for the right performer. Standing by herself in front of the piano is a bored-looking girl with dark blue hair. This must be Kaoru Kozue. How the character knows this, I do not know. Except, I guess, she's just kind of informed on... You know, the famous people on campus right. meeting Nikki and associated hangers-on. Right. Well, she's obsessed with the jury and the student council. Right. Nikki's on the student council, so. Kozway. Um, um, ask Kozway about Kozway. Good to meet you. I'm Karu Kozway. You have good timing. I was just getting bored. 
I'm supposed to be in class, as you know, but that's such a waste on a Saturday. The pool is closed, the quads are a little public, you know who's in the library, which pretty much leaves here. Hmm. Ask Kozue about Voldemort? <laughs> yes. No. Uh, about, <laughs> about, about... Sure, about Voldemort. Voldemort. There is no reply. Ask Kozue about uh, music. Uh, uh, piano? It didn't take music. No. About jury? Ugh, Kozue groans like a cat <laughs> coughing up a hairball. That girl thinks she's better than everyone else. And everyone just swoons over her, don't they? I mean, she's very pretty, but you'd think people would learn there's no getting with her until someone brings her down a peg. There's nothing wrong with the jury, you insist. You just don't understand her. And you do, snorts Kozue? Well, she's got you there. You do need to find out more about your quarry. Bring her down a peg, though. That's an idea worth filing away. Oh, dear. Um... Ask Kuzue about Jury's weakness? Mm, I, I don't it. think it's going to work. But Ask Kuzue how to win the game. <laughs> sure. No, it's not uh, going to let us do that. I know, I know. Um, about... Um, you know who. I'm curious if it accepts that. Okay. Because she mentioned that. Sure. You know, Miki. Kuzue rolls her eyes. <laughs> Ask Kozue about Miki. Oh, you know my brother, Kozue sighs. And I was hoping I could make friends with a girl... Oh, oh, you know my brother, Kozue sighs. And I was hoping I could make friends with a girl who wasn't just trying to get close to him for once. Fair warning, I won't let you. Miki? Nah, he's cute, but he's not really my type, you hasten to reassure her. Kozue relaxes visibly. I thought not, she says decisively. Okay. Ask Kozue about... Showers. Showers. Nope. <laughs> Ask Kozue. Uh, I don't even know. The, the game isn't going to let you ask much. Mm, play piano. Sure. You get onto the piano bench. Kozue sits down at your left and fills in the harmonic gaps to your rendition of Never Gonna Give You Up. <laughs> She's playing really loudly for some reason. You practically have to sledgehammer the keys to be heard over her. You're positive everyone in the building can hear you. She's also smirking. Hmm. And all we can do is ask people as far as... That's how dialogue works, yeah. I think you can give people things too, but all we have right now is the uh, school uniform, pick up line leaflet, and we are carrying our pajamas for some reason. Give Kozue pajamas. (laughs) Kozue is unimpressed. Give Kozue his lascivious leaflet. Kozue is unimpressed. I can't give her my uniform. Then I'd be naked. All right. Nope. Yeah. Doesn't leave me that either. Well, that's fine. Because I didn't want to do it anyway. Um, Yeah, I I can't think of anything else to ask her about. Uh, Seduce Kozue. Oh, right. Of course. Fine. (laughs) You're calling the shots. I'm I'm not making you do anything. uh, Sure. Whatever. I'm invisible, you grin. No, you're not, observes Kozue dryly. Why, can you see me? You ask in mock bafflement. I can see you, she replies. How about tomorrow night, you conclude with a flourish. Kozue applauds heartily. I'm totally saving that one, she laughs. It's too bad I don't date girls. I mean, she she does in the, yeah. the, in the Utena game, but whatever, the Sega Saturn one. I mean, she should, but anyway... Ask Kozue about girls. 
No reply. Yeah. yeah. Probably can't do much with Cozy right here. All right, then I guess we should go. You know, I'm tempted to go back to jury and try to seduce her. You know, we probably need to wrap this up for the evening. Yeah. Probably she's just going to shout next. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, mm. it's worth a shot. I mean, we, we probably need to get some information that's going to embarrass her, which makes me feel like a bad person. But. Oh, yeah, it should. Yeah. yeah. There you go. But we're back at jury, seduce jury. You clear your throat, which seems to have your heart caught in it just now. I I hope you know CPR, you begin uncertainly, because um, jury glares at you. You mumble something inaudible and shrink into the corner. <laughs> it seems your pickup lines are powerless against a jury in full battle array. You will have to think of a backup plan. Uh, can we can we ask jury about jury? That's the only other thing I want to do. No. Nope. Yeah. No. Just shout. Still ignoring next. us. All right. Fair enough. She's busy. Well, yeah, I feel like we we got a, a, a kind of a our feet wet. Is, is that how you say it? You, That's how you say your, your it. Toes wet in, in this game. I think we're we're ready to move to the next level when when we do determine to advance. We'll have to come back to this sometime. I think listening to people play text adventure games is unexplored internet content that clearly mm. is going to hit it real big. Actually, it actually surprises me that that's not. It might be a, a thing, thing, and we just don't know about it. Yeah, we don't know about much, do we? We might be reinventing the wheel here. <laughs> Oh, I doubt it's the wheel. It might be something more advanced, like, I don't know, studded tires. Okay. In any case, uh, yep, we're definitely still at the poking around the game stage. What are your thoughts on the game so far? I like it. Um, I think the creators definitely put a lot of effort into... Creator singular, but yes. Yeah, oh, sorry, the creator. It, it actually impresses me this is a single creator, too. Um Put, put a lot of effort into making all of the areas explorable. I think it would be cool if there were more actions you could take, but it, text adventure requires so much work, especially if you're a single creator, mm-hmm. to do all of this. And they obviously had a lot of passion for Utna. I remember them commenting about how much work it was to try to just nail down the actual layout of mm-hmm. of Otori. Well, and this, they and this was before a map was translated and like put online. Yeah, and cause... I think I think they ended up saying like, oh, that it it was really close to what they did here. There's a few things that are different, but they got all the basic ideas about like where the you know where the club rooms are and you know where like the administrative building is and where the cafeteria is and like relation to these things, where the south dorms are. Or wait, East Dorms, where the East Dorms are in relation to the campus. Um, Literally yeah. something that I would have thought impossible. And, and they like how they identify that once they get to campus, like the definition of North changes. Right, for your text adventure game purposes. Because yeah. that makes total sense because any fan is going to picture that one shot from above mm-hmm. of the campus. With, you know, the gate and then the tower and then, you know, yeah. the forest in the back. But they really made it work for their game purpose. And they did it really concisely and neatly. Mm. It's not something I would have thought was possible with Utno. Like, you see all these beautiful visuals, but you never think to conceptualize where they are in space. That's kind of part of Utna, right? That everything's I mean, a little airy and ethereal. Yeah, they, so they r- ratchet that up cool. to 11 in the movie, but oh, uh, well, yeah, in the I TV mean, series, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we can't even talk about like architecture and geography in the movie because that's constantly shifting. I I believe it seems like it is. Um, 
I mean, there's shots where it definitely is, and there's shots where it definitely isn't. Mm-hmm. But like the it's... fight between Utna and Jury, where they're in the like MC Escher shifting, like it's, it's moving less then than it is in the opening scene. The opening True. scene, things are literally just like kind of floating. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the the all that aside, the the author did a, g- a great job with that spatial awareness mm-hmm. and making all of the characters accessible. Oh yeah, and I mean they're not trying to make it hard for you. Most of the characters are where you would expect them to be. Yes. And they didn't do anything really super annoying. I've tried playing text adventure games where time passes. It's unbearable. And then it's like, you know, people moving around according to some kind of schedule or whatever. Right. Uh, it requires a different kind of gamer. Uh, well, it, but that's fair because you know, for me I was thinking like, well, if time were to pass in this sort of game, that might give us more openings to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But I think what they've done is create barriers based on, you know, like Jury is in a really tied up situation right, right. now. So to figure So we need to get out. her somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And we've gotten a couple hints about, like, we want to embarrass her or fluster her or make her upset somehow mm-hmm. in order to get her to stop doing kendo. Uh, I'm saying <laughs> Jury doing kendo. Uh, stop doing fencing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> And that absolutely makes sense for the character. It's just, it, it is kind of a hard sell to come in as, like, pretty nice person and be like, oh, I'm playing this kind of, like, shitty person who yep. is going to win my love deliberately through making them upset. Oh, like, yeah. Dang. That is absolutely the game plan here. It's pretty Utna. It's, and, and maybe in a way it puts you in a mindset of, like, the kind of shitty teens that the Utna characters are. But it is kind of hard to, like... To want that as the player. I think it's part of the commentary here is that they said, you know, there's something very, um, it's, it's deliberately kind of, you know, self-inserty author mm-hmm. avatar mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, fans who are way into jury. And then it's just like incarnating you as a, as a Utna character who only cares about that. And, you know. Right. Is willing to do whatever it takes to get to that point. I guess maybe that's what I've been missing about jury fans all along. I don't know. Because for me, like, watching Utna, all the characters are so shitty, it's hard to, to like any of them at all. But, like, growing older, I've grown more empathy for them. Utna I've always liked as a character, but even she has some mistakes. But it, it's a lot easier to forgive them through, like... Because she seems more like an outsider, you know? Yeah. Like, well, she's positioned that way for sure. Right. Like, she's naive and she makes mistakes, whereas everyone else seems to know what's going on. And, and just do terrible things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> kind of very deliberately um, to, like, fit their archetype. So I guess that's the, the, the challenging part of Utna is, like, anybody who likes a character who's not Utna or Anthe, because Anthe has, like, an empathy arc of understanding, like, her experience... Um, it, it's it's kind of hard to like understand that as a fandom, I suppose. Hmm. All right. Well, clearly we're exploring new fandom grounds in your mind of being a terrible, shitty shipper of some kind. And we will come back to this if there's any desire for it or if we have another time when we can't do anything else. Yeah, I mean... It's been fun and definitely interesting to kind of get into a different mindset. All right. So for now, that's the end of us playing the Utina fan text adventure game Miracles Never Cease. You can find that hosted on otori.new. 
um, but it's kind of hosted there from a forum thread. And I can provide a link to it, which is played on Frots. I'm using WinFrots, uh, which is a game for playing text adventure games. I'll provide a link to the game itself at bit.ly slash RFR. We'll do MNC because that's the uh, abbreviation for the program. Miracles never cease, MNC. Bit.ly slash RFR MNC. Abbreviation central over here. This was more or less an episode of Retro Fanfic <laughs> Retrospective. This is an episode of Retro Text Adventure Retrospective. Excuse me, Retro Fan Text Adventure Retrospective. Oh, yes, of course. Our new podcast. Like I said, interactive fiction is, you know, a proper term for this, so... Yeah, well, it it really is that. Retro Fan Interactive Fan Fiction... Wait. (laughs) Retro Fan Interactive Fiction. Retro Interactive Fan Fiction. Yeah. Retrospective. Retrospective. Which is pretty cool, you know? Like, it's it's a fan fiction that uh, allows people to engage with it it's like uh you know there were choose your own adventure fanfics back in the day and there must still be i, I remember a really? lot of those actually yeah i do oh no yeah i those things do exist you're right yeah they're they're actually quite common but instead of doing like a typical choose your own adventure like flip to this page it would be like fans would the the readers would vote on what they wanted to see next. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But they give you like four options, like do you want this, this, and this, or like sometimes it just be a write-in. What know? I remember there is that those things would branch endlessly and never conclude, mm-hmm. and you'd end up with like a couple of branches that went on forever, and other ones where it's just like, oh yeah. well, we didn't write anything for them. And, and it would so, be really hard to read because you wouldn't know which branches to click on to like which, find yeah. the story. Or, like, some of them would start and, like, go, like, three, you know, different segments and never do anything. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. Should, I, I would almost say we should try to read one of those, but I can't... I don't know of any that actually are supposed to be good. Yeah. We'll see. Well, it's too many factors, I think, maybe. Right. Well, it would be like reading a single thread, which kind of removes the point of it being interactive. Correct, yes. And also, I think a lot of those just never got off the ground. It's a great concept, but I've I've never read one that really got to a conclusion at all. Mm. Anyway, this was more or less an episode of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. It's going to be labeled Special Episode 2, I believe, if it goes up. Yeah, it's Retro Fanfic Special Episode. Mm -hmm. The intro song to the podcast? Well, are we going to use the same intro song? That's up to Dom. All right, then I I'll think. let I'll let Dom say it if there's an intro song or an outro or whatever. Are you going to make Dom do that for us? Yeah, I'm going to okay. force Dom to do it as payment okay. for not being here. Even though they have the flu? Yeah. Okay. Let that be a lesson. Don't get the flu. I think you've been watching too much Utna. I got my flu shot. <laughs> yeah. And about all you all. Anyway, there may or may not be an intro song or outro song, and they may or may not be by Komiku. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And we've also got, you know, a Facebook at retrofanfic and a Twitter at retrofanfic and a Reddit at fanficretrospective. Uh, Reddit account, I guess. You don't, I, we don't have like a subreddit to ourselves. We can make one, but I'm not sure there's any point. I hang out on the fanfiction subreddit sometimes though 
you know, the only one that anyone should pay any attention to. Catch a model on the fan fiction subreddit. As fanfic retrospective, occasionally. Surfing surfing the Reddit waves. And if you've got questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic or send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com. Um, any comments about our experimental things like this, if you'd like to see more of this or more weird side things that are not like this or whatever, let us know what you think. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. We're just two Earth life forms trying to seduce another one at any cost. Until next time, take care. Bye. This week, the opening song was Disco Challenge from the album Hella's Awesome Dance Adventure by Komiku. The ending song is still Run Against the Universe from the album Hopi's Incredible Adventure, also by Komiku. You can find those albums and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Okay, um, revolutionize world. Revolutionize world. Shit, you don't mess around, do you? Is that what it says? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I don't don't mess around. Thank you for noticing um, text adventure in a game where I have to seduce Jerry, even though I'm not that interested.